0: know that so many of you make so many sacrifices to be a part of this church family and every now and then, sorry every now and then you, you wonder why why am I showing up all the time, why am I sacrificing all the time why am I giving sacrificially why am I taking risks and inviting people, that's why Come on, church. Seven hundred and twenty three baptisms last weekend. Can we praise God? Sorry, who came in hot on that? Littleton, what's up? Lakewood, Arvada, Austin, Texas, Brussels, Belgium. Hey, listen, both of you God behind bars campuses. I want you to know that you are every bit as much a part of this church family as those of us in this room right now. I love you. I believe in you. And I'm so glad you're with us today. How many visitors we got today? Anybody checking this thing out for the first time? What's up? We're so glad you're here. I know it can be intimidating going to a church. I remember my buddy brought me to church at 24. I sat in a church service with drugs in my pocket, looking around a room like this, going, man, if these people knew what I was really like, they would never want me here. And I want you to know that no matter what location you're at, no matter what you've been through, no matter how many doubts you have, no matter what you're in the middle of right now, I want you to know in this place, you are wanted here. You are valued here. You're going to be accepted here. You're going to be loved here. You've already been prayed for here. So welcome home. Welcome to Red Rocks Church. Guys, we have a special treat for you today. As I told you a couple weeks ago, it's a high value of ours here. We are not going to be a church based on a personality. We're going to be a church that always values many voices getting into one word, celebrating one son of one God that's who we are and so we have some special guests with us today and I'm telling you man we have got the best of the best and they're already family and I want to first say hi to the best half of the family Jenny thank you so much for coming here and being with us today we love you already your family already And guys, at every single location, but especially right here, can you get on your feet and make some serious noise for my friend, our family, the Levi Lusco?
1: Hey, come on, let's thank Jesus for what he's doing in Red Rocks Church. Take a moment and thank him. Wow, what a privilege, what a joy. You can be seated. Thank you so much. Uh, worship team's serving all across the church, and just everybody who's making this happen. Come on, from the parking lot to the kids, every area serving the church. It takes an army. It takes a whole lot of people serving. Uh, to make anything like this happen. Not that there's a whole lot I can compare this to that is happening here. I can't like say, oh, it, it, every every time this happens, it takes this, because this is ridiculous, you guys. This is just stupid. I mean, come on, <laughs> shove someone around you to let them know this is stupid, because <laughs> it, is, it is. It is outrageous what God's doing at Red Rocks Church and in your midst. And um, I'm, I'm grateful that my wife and I would get to be here linked up with you guys. We love what's happening here. I'm a Colorado native, y'all. So I was, I, I was born in Pueblo, Colorado uh, and uh, lived uh, for... I know, I know, I know. I know. I know that's almost Colorado. I should just like have stopped right there. I'm from Colorado. Uh, but... But I'm, I was born in Pueblo and raised in, in the Springs, and uh, I love Colorado, grew up going to Bronco games and Air Force Academy football games, and I uh, always love uh, any chance I get to come back to the Mile High State, and love so much this, this new burgeoning friendship that God has, has honestly, uh, your pastor uh, is so special to me, and I know there's an incredible team that's around him. and. And he doesn't want to you know, be like the guy. But uh, God is so clearly has his hand on, on Sean and Jill Johnson. And it's evident. And from the very first time we met, when I came here last April to be a part of, and I'm going to get to the message in a second. Uh, I know you didn't come to hear me write my, my card to him of my love for him. but um, But honestly, when we met last April, I just felt like God uniquely, sometimes you just know God knits your heart to someone. And I just felt like God just knit my heart to him. I just said, we're gonna be friends. And so whether you like me or not, we're friends. So. Um, and so for the first time, Jenny and Jill, which sounds like a poem, doesn't it? They went up a hill. Uh, and uh, first time they've met is this weekend. So no pressure on them, but you better hit it off because we're friends whether you guys like each other or not. Um, but I'm really grateful to be here and this is a beautiful church. It's an, it's an absolute avalanche of, the, of a move of the Holy Spirit of God. That's what this is, you're a part of that. An avalanche of a move of the Holy Spirit of God and from uh, everyone that's serving at Fresh Life and in the Lusco family. Uh, we're just we're just such big fans of, of what Jesus is doing here in this part of his church, and we've learned so much from you. Uh, actually, we're introduced to God Behind Bars from you, so since I was here last week, got hooked up with them. We launched our own God Behind Bars campus in... <laughs> yep, in montana state prison in deer lodge montana and we're just seeing uh every week salvation salvation just life change and so i want to add my voice shout out the to the god behind bars church is going down uh here in in red rocks and and so uh well that's my whole time i used it all on that so have a good have a good week guys I'm just playing. Um, I came to preach, and I, I hope it's a blessing. God's entrusted my wife and I in this season with a message that we've been carrying. Um, we released it last uh, fall in, in book form, and, and so as we've been preaching around the country, God's just really uh, got us preaching this message, and ministering this message that's really been a, a help to us. And it's, if you want to take it further than what you're going to hear this week, it's uh, in a book called, I Declare War, Four Keys to Winning the Battle with Yourself. And I wrote that book and have been trying imperfectly to live out of it because, quite honestly, um, God revealed in a season of my life where so much was going right, a lot of brokenness in my heart and a lot of dysfunction in my life. And it's funny how long you can live with dysfunction and that you're not even aware of. And then a moment comes when the light turns on and you're just like, oh, there it is. That's, that's unfortunate. Uh, is that what it's like to be around me? Uh, am I like that all the time? And people are like, yes. Yes. Um, let me tell you what I mean with an illustration. Uh, not too long ago, uh, we had some people in our home, and they hadn't been in there before, uh, and uh, one of our kids uh, called out to Alexa. Now, anybody, anybody have Alexa in your house? Um, I, I get freaked out thinking about my two-year-old son never knowing a world without digital assistance at his beck and call. Because my kids are like, Alexa, tell me the joke of the day, and like, Alexa, da-da-da, and they're always like, oh, did you know Alexa can you do this, Dad? And I'm like, I didn't know that. And, and then sometimes, do you ever feel like you're cheating on Alexa when you talk to Siri? you ever go talk to siri and uh and she's like you've been with her again haven't you i feel like siri's like a drunk alexa because she's not as good you know she's she's not as good um it was like so siri can't you just learn from alexa and be wise like what's your problem like, you're just so bad at everything no i did not mean i want to eat a peach uh i said text my cousin's choking on a, a beach uh but anyhow um One of my kids called out to Alexa and said, Alexa, turn on the Christmas tree. Now, we don't have a Christmas tree in our house It's because we're Christians, and it's summertime. You don't have a Christmas tree in the summertime. Um, And... uh, we did have a Christmas tree, and there's these little Alexa plugs. I don't know if you've seen them. You can plug anything you wanted to, and then Alexa can turn it off. And we had, at Christmas time a Christmas tree plugged into this Alexa device. Now, that ship has sailed. The tree is back in storage, ready to come out again. I know, like, fake Christmas tree, fake Christmas, but I'm allergic to Christmas trees, so get off. Um, <laughs> you know, I would be like in hives every year from touching the Christmas tree, and I don't think Jesus is honored in his birth by that. Uh, so... So we have the fake Christmas tree, but, you know, we have the kind that, like, smells like pine, you know, because you put little things on it, whatever. Uh, So... So uh, it was nice to be able to say, Alexa, turn the Christmas tree on, and bing, there it goes, off, oh, there it goes. Uh, but, but, but at some point, the Christmas tree got taken down, and someone plugged a, a floor lamp into it, and we never bothered to go into the Amazon app and change the name of the designation. So it, here it is summer, and we're still like, like as of this morning, like someone in our home probably is like, Alexa, turn the Christmas tree on, and a floor lamp turns on. <laughs> and I, I, that didn't occur to me as weird because I live in the house every day until all of a sudden I was seeing my home through the eyes of a stranger, and they, when they heard our child call out to Alexa to turn the Christmas tree on, they were like, first question, where's your Christmas tree? Because I don't see one. <laughs> Second question, why did none of you act like anything's strange when, when that was just said, and then nothing happened, but that light's on all of a sudden, I can't help but notice, right? That's uh, because I think, to a certain degree, we're all blind to our own blind spots. And it's possible to live with dysfunction so long you don't even notice it's there anymore. And I just wonder for all of us, what's that example of the Christmas tree in your life that you're calling out to? You know, the Bible says that for freedom, Christ set us free. And and I just feel like what the Lord is doing in, in my life is helping me to see the dark places where he wants to turn the light on. That's why Jesus came. That's what that whole Christmas tree thing is all about. It's about Jesus turning off the, the darkness of, of, of our blindness to our own dysfunction, our own despair, and opening us up to a new and better way where we live for something bigger than just ourselves and just our own story and glory and... And so to the degree that you let God open up your eyes uh, to see uh, what in your life is holding you back, you'll be able to run towards and apprehend that for which Christ Jesus laid hold of you. But just, just uh, to start with, we have to all recognize that we have a problem and that problem is us. We have a problem. The problem is us. I look, I have three big problems in life: me, myself, and I. Right? Like 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 we talk a lot about the devil in church. Like if you're new to the conversation, you you'll hear Christians say the dumbest things, like the devil made me do it. And if he was visible in that moment, wherever he was, and agreed devil, let's all agree together, the devil's the worst. Like, he's not a great person, not a great friend. He's, he, what's his problem, you're saying? Well, he's going to hell, and he knows it, right? So it's like a pool party where someone's getting tossed into the pool, and at first, they're trying to hold on to everything, but then when they realize they're going in, misery loves company, so now it's like, I'm gonna take you in with me, Old ladies, little babies, doesn't even matter. Right? You're, if I'm going and you're going in too, so that's the devil. He actually has access to the back of the Bible and he knows that he's going to hell, and so that just explains his whole thing, right? So, so, so if we could see the devil, the next time someone in your life's like the devil made me do it, he'd be like, "That actually wasn't me. That was all you, right? I, I had nothing to do with that. I, I should have thought of that. Didn't think about that. That wasn't completely and entirely you." Like, like take for example some of the things that you know Christians are praying for help about all over the world. Like, oh, I'm having headaches. I'm, I'm. I'm fatigued. I'm, I'm really irritable. And we're like, God, I need deliverance. And God's like, actually, you're just dehydrated. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> honey, put down the sweet tea, right? Does LaCroix count as being water? Because if it doesn't, I haven't had a cup of water in 10 years. You know what I'm saying? But <laughs> But, but you think about just the things that, that, that we're looking to God for. We're, I think there's a lot of areas where, where we're blaming uh, demonic issues where there's just natural things. And God will never do for you what you can do for yourself. And so what he intends for us to do is to see the, the areas and the ways in which we are all responsible for our, our self-sabotage when I say self-sabotage, I think immediately of Banksy. I think about the stunt he pulled last fall. Uh, you, you probably saw it across the news. Uh, he arranged for one of his paintings, Girl with Balloon, to be sold at the auction block. And, and it, it got up to $1.4 million, right? This is unbelievable. Uh, $1.4 million for this painting to be sold. And there in London, as people sipped You know, champagne and eight caviar, Uh, the bidding went higher, higher, higher. $1.4 million going, going, gone. And at that moment, Banksy uh, arranged for a shredder that he had secretly installed in the bottom of the frame of that painting to be activated. So as the world was watching, well, it looked a little bit like this. The painting was destroyed in front of all the people. There it is going down the bottom of the shredder. Everyone's like just mystified. Oh, 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 stiff upper lip. Oh, 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 that girl's my favorite. And now you see security rushing the painting out of the building. Good job, guys, right? Why are they, why are they rushing the painting out of the building? The damage is done. I might as well just appreciate it now, right? The painting just sabotaged itself. Now, when I saw that video on, on Banksy's Instagram, I thought to myself, why was there security there that day? They were there to protect the painting from the people. Turned out the painting needed protection from the painting. The painting was its own worst enemy. But if I'm real for a minute, that so often is me. I got a shredder in the bottom of my life, and just at the crucial moment, man, the shredder sound that I do when I preach this message is usually so much better. Um, I, I blame the dryness of the air here at 10 miles high where we're currently at. Uh, so the oxygen they're selling, right? you might be living too high up if dot, 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 right? Um, but, but, the, but, but the reality is I've been in so many situations with almost like a Bill Murray Groundhog's Day type amnesia. Or how, how did I get here again? How did I get here in this moment again where where my wife and I are at the end of another three hour frosty silence because neither of us wants to humble ourselves in this moment? How did I get here again where I'm driving home from work and I I, I did it again? I sabotaged the kind of leader I wanna be by becoming the mercurial, I would like to say it's a Steve Jobs type, brilliant, uh, despotic leader when really it's just an idiot, right? (laughs) And, and the guy who thinks he knows everything and has to have all the answers and has to be the smartest guy in any room and, and, and doesn't ask as many questions as he gives answers. And, and now I'm driving home from work once again, just just going, I did it again. I ran the, the painting of my life through the shredder and I sabotaged my own success and I have no one to blame but me. How did I get here again? Where I'm in, I'm in a moment with my, with my brother or my mom or insert relative here. And uh, I, I don't hardly see him, but once or twice a year. How did I get here in this moment now again where I'm, I'm being huffy and I'm, I'm needing to throw this around to feel, and, and I just wonder, where did this begin? And some of what God revealed to me as I kind of went down this journey of, of trying to really pray about self-management, trying to really pray about growing my emotional intelligence and trying to grow uh, the, the, the ability to empathize with other people and read how they're doing. Because, you know, they say uh, we're doing a disservice by only focusing on IQ and SAT scores and how how smart are you, your, your talent, when as much as 58% of the success that you will have in the workplace comes from your ability to read people emotionally and to self-regulate, how to feel something but not act on it. These are the things that we as parents should be be teaching our kids and praising them, to feel something but then to process that through, to, to put a joint in between Feeling the desire to do or say something and then actually choosing what the right response is. The ability to, to choose a complimentary response and defuse hostility in a keyed up, triggered up moment in an exchange with a flight attendant or, or someone at a, at, a, at, a, at a restaurant or whatever. The ability to not be a two-year-old living in a 40-year-old's body. Right, which which these are the life skills things. So it's like we just we, we God just was really just speaking into my heart the, the need to grow in this area and go down these roads so I could communicate about it and help other people because maybe just maybe I'm not the only person who ever has gone through the shredder that I installed on the leading edge of the painting that is my life and uh, and, and so maybe it is uh, maybe you're all watching this going man you 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 seem like you need therapy what do you think this is right uh, I got the microphone you're listening thank you I feel so much better already. But as I began to kind of go down these, these roads, God really just began to, to speak to me that only when I recognize myself as my own greatest enemy can I then engage in that battle. And so this message of I declare war was born in my heart. Kind of like when you play cards as a kid, right? And you were like, I declare, bam! War, Ace of Spades, somebody, and all of a sudden, this is the trump card, and kind of that that moment. So that's where this all came from. And and like I said, I don't I don't know exactly on what part, if any, you relate to the struggles that I faced. Uh, maybe maybe for you, the issue isn't a passive aggressiveness in your relationships, or or you know, being a diminisher instead of a multiplier at the workplace. Uh, perhaps um, it's just. Quite frankly, you sabotage yourself with an addiction. Maybe once again, you, you resort to, to four Jack and Cokes to, to deal with a bad day. And every time, it's just quickly running to those things to numb the feelings. And the problem, of course, is, as Brene Brown pointed out, that we can't selectively numb. We numb the good and the bad, and soon we come to a place where we feel nothing at all. Or perhaps, like so many in our generation now, here's the new normal, born with a smartphone in our hands, right? Uh, never mind the fact that it's been proven to light up the same centers of your brain as heroin. Uh, we have laws that regulate gambling because we know that's addicting. We have laws that regulate alcohol. We know that's addicting. But why, why is it that with our kids, come on, here's, here's, here's Facebook, here's the whole power of the internet that's never existed before in a format like this in the history of humanity, but here you go. And uh, hope this doesn't absolutely destroy your life. And, uh, and, and just to think about what are we even doing? And you know what? No one knows. Because it's never happened before. We've never been here before. More changed in the Industrial Revolution, the 200 years from the 1700s to the 1900s, than in the previous 1700 years of human history put together. And the change that has happened in the last 40 years is escalated exponentially beyond all possible imagination. It used to be you were born, you never traveled very far, life was difficult, you tried to get some stuff to grow out of the ground so you didn't die, survival through the winter was the biggest agenda item of the year, and you died young, and life was pretty ch- chill. And that's how it was for Abraham, and that's how it was for, for almost all of history. And now all of a sudden, we're just flying around the world in metal tubes complaining that the internet's slow, right? Like, <laughs> what has what even, even happened? So just to realize, is it possible that with the most highly addictive substance ever that also provides premium, uncut validation, all you have to do is post something, and now you have people flooding in to tell you they liked what you've posted, they like who you are. Is it possible that that could become a self-sabotaging tendency? Hey, my name's Levi, and I am a social media alcoholic. You know what I'm saying? It's so easy to get there. Or maybe not even just posting, maybe now it's just spending. Having a low moment, it's cool. I got a box coming from Amazon, it'll be here. Oh, it just got delivered by a robot. <laughs> I feel better now. Why would I wanna feel my feelings when I could just purchase things that are new? Right? Carbs are at times are my go-to. Feeling low? Not anymore, got a handful of chips. Or I just pulled through Taco Bell again. Right? It's like, what, what, is, even, what is even happening here? And uh, and and so, like like I said, maybe maybe you have a different struggle than mine. I know this. I know that as long as we are willing to uh, to justify what's holding us back, as as long as we're willing to um, rationalize that it's okay because we know someone who's mess, more messed up than we are, that's what we do, right? We all we all think, well, as long as I can think of someone slightly more objective to me that I'm not that bad, it's okay. I know someone worse. And and it, it, if you've ever Tried to change for the better and had people in your life pile on like, who do you think you are? That just shows you you were their holdout. You were their holdout. They're mad at you for changing because you were what they called to mind as why it's okay, why they're not that bad. And they're just ticked that they're gonna actually have to face their junk because you're hopefully trying that just opens your eyes to see what's actually going on in inside. And so here's what I decided to do. I decided to declare war on all the darkness, on all the demons, on all that's holding me back. I just have it in my spirit to obtain and lay hold of all that was in God's mind when he apprehended me. And there is something in God's mind. There's, the day that you were born, there was, there was something that God knew needed inventing. There was something God knew that needed fighting. There was something God knew that needed to be built, something that, some darkness that needed to be turned off. And, and I want... I want to get to heaven and, and know that I, that I ran my race. I don't, I don't want my life to be a story of what could have been had I not been afraid, had I not just been justifying my dysfunction and rationalizing it. And so what I'm saying is this, I don't know what's gonna happen to you if you engage. It may kill you, right? I've never heard of anybody dying from not buying something when they were bummed out, but it, <laughs> maybe it could happen. But here's what I know for sure. I know exactly what's going to happen if you stay where you are. Because if you keep doing what you've always done, you'll keep getting what you've always got. And here's what I believe. I believe if you set your soul entirely against and you say, God, whatever it is that's holding me back, I, I, I want to drop the weight that hinders. I want to throw down the sin that so easily entangles. I don't want to run this race with a weight vest on that's holding me back and smothering my forward progress. I want to live a life free from the insecurities, from the narcissism, from the addictions. I want to I run this race with all my heart. I want to get out of my own way. Here's what I believe will happen. I believe you will find power like a wolf ready to rise up inside your heart. I was so inspired on our family vacation when I came across that exact quote by Teddy Roosevelt. Uh, he said that, that anybody who's ever engaged in a battle that they wish they could have run away from, they, they, they know the, the, the power of a wolf that rises in their heart. He said that about the Spanish-American War. Do you have a second? Can I tell you a little bit about Teddy Roosevelt? Just for like two seconds? Teddy Roosevelt's my second favorite US president. I love so much about him. I love that he was uh, the first uh, and, and only president to ever receive the Medal of Honor and the Nobel Peace Prize, first president to ever be submerged in a submarine, have a telephone in his home, own an automobile, leave the country while in office, which was to go check in on the Panama Canal, which was like a side thing he was doing. I mean, just like, what? You just think about Teddy Roosevelt. And when you think about Teddy, do you not see Robin Williams? Like, what? <laughs> like, that, wait, he's not him? Like, what's the deal, right? And, and you just think about this, this guy who, who volunteered to go and fight in the Spanish-American War with a group that he assembled called the Rough Riders, a crew that would never have been possible had not Teddy's wife and mother died on the same day in the same house, on Valentine's Day. He wrote one sentence in his journal on that day. On February 14th, 1884, he wrote, the light has gone out of my life. But it was this exact incident that caused him to throw himself into North Dakota and cattle ranching, this westward expansion, this idea, this dream of, you know, basically Colorado, right? Like this life in the mountains and this life, well, there's no mountains in North Dakota, but you get the idea, right? <laughs> Just this idea of, 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 of the, the pioneer lifestyle. But that was where he met the cowboys and Indians that he would then form into this, this crew called the Rough Riders that would volunteer to go to Cuba uh, during the Spanish-American War. And he had his whole life kind of dreamt of being a soldier and this idea of battle and all of this imagery that, that he really, you know, idealized because of his father. And, uh, but when he got there to Cuba in this battle, turns out there were bullets, right? It's one thing to dream about, like, I'm going to be in the army one day. And then you get there and it's like, oh, wait, they're shooting at me? That sounds horrible, right? Because he had designed, like, outfits for his guys to wear and this, this whole thing. And so now all of a sudden he found himself sort of uh, in no man's land. And uh, in World War I, you know, you had the trench warfare and everyone would come in the trenches and the order would be given, it's time to rush out of the trench and across the barbed wire. And, and uh, it was common in those days for, for men to shoot themselves in the foot uh, because it was, it was so horrible, the thought of running out of this trench, that they would literally shoot themselves in the foot with their M1903 Springfield rifles. Of course, it's a court-martial, court-martial punishable offense, uh, and you can be punishable, punished by death uh, for doing that, malingering, uh, so <laughs> to be put to death to avoid dying does not seem like they've thought all of that through, uh, but it was, it was a very common thing in, in the Great War. And, and, and so in this moment of, of rushing in the no-man's land, Teddy writes in his memoirs about, about kind of feeling fear, and, uh, and it was the decisive moment as they were trying to take San Juan Hill, and he felt all of his fear and all the emotions were saying, run back to safety, run back to where you know what's gonna happen, but he just said, I decided to cross the barbed wire. There was a piece of barbed wire fence in the ground that day. And he got up from where he was and he rushed out across the barbed wire, and his men, seeing this great show of courage, decided to follow after him. And soldiers later referred to what they saw, the switch that was flipped in him in that moment when he decided to go forward, when everything was saying retreat. They said he became the most glorious soldier they had ever seen, and for the rest of Teddy's life, spoiler alert, they won that day almost single-handedly because of his display of courage and leadership, but he, for the rest of his life, all the accomplishments that I just mentioned and all the rest of them, being the first president to ever entertain an African-American in the White House for dinner in, in a day when, when segregation was still law and all, all of the rest, he forever referred to that moment, July 1st, 1898, the day that he decided to run across the barbed wire. He just said that that was the greatest day he ever lived. And so here's what I'm saying to you. I'm saying if you will choose to name what's holding you back and choose to set your soul against it and enlist all of the power that God has put at your disposal to choose to run against that, to (laughs) declare it as the enemy and to move into all that God has for you, I'm telling you, a wolf will rise in your heart. Come on, howl with me. Ow! No, 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 no. Now there's probably two or three church people who refused to howl. Maybe not at this location, maybe in Arvada. And and you're saying, you're saying, you're saying, Levi, wolves are big and they're bad, and the three little pigs know that. What's the matter with you? What kind of preaching school did you even go to? Not to speak anything of the fact that in the Bible, wolves are never held in a positive light, right? Jesus is like, the wolf attacks, the shepherd, the wolf in the sheep's clothing. Like the whole thing, you're like, this is wrong on so many theological levels. I don't even have time to set you straight. You sound like a great time. Uh, Here's here's what I would say, like fictitious person writing the angry email into, uh, right? (laughs) Don't worry, the regular guy will be back next week. All right, so here's what I would say to you. I would say how like the enemy to get you to write off a creature that God created with attributes that you desperately need to possess. God loves animals. Revelation 4, his throne room is surrounded by animal-like creatures, one with a face like an eagle, one with a face like a man, one with a face like an ox, one with a a face like a lion. God, God loves creatures. He could have made every animal the same, but he chose to create all of these animals. And there are attributes of animals that make them desirable to our enemy, the devil. Sure, the snake is one of them. What animal is more in your head the devil than the snake? Yeah, for sure. He's a dragon. He's a serpent. But did not Jesus say that we ought to be harmless as doves but cunning like serpents? So directly we're told we should be like the one animal that's most demonic in, in form. So like, oh, are you sending mixed messages here, right? Uh, we, we're never told to get rid of tension. We're told to embrace tension. So when you think about a lion, the Bible says the devil roars about like a prowling, roaring lion, okay? So what animal is more like God than the lion? And yet the devil likes it too. So the de- if anything, here's what I would say. The devil's interest in the wolf should cause us to be alerted to the fact that there's something about the wolf that's powerful. Okay. And across the world, And across cultures and civilizations that have come and gone, the wolf has been the most long enduring uh, symbol of the warrior spirit that has ever existed, revered for its courage in, in battle. But did you know that it's also one of the most highly empathic creatures that exists? Wolves, of course, are pack animals, and they are uh, they're, they're loving to one another. They are uh, animals that embrace authority, hierarchy. You've used the phrase alpha male. There's also alpha females, by the way. Every pack has alpha females and males. Al- uh, there's also beta wolves. There's omega wolves. There's, there's lieutenant wolves. Did you know that all wolves bow low in the presence of the alpha? Hey, someone could preach that because Jesus is the alpha and omega at the same time. Everybody bows low in the presence. Don't make me preach wolf. One-on-one up in here. All right. So, so in the book, I have tons more wolf stuff. But, but basically, what, what, what I realized was that to be a wolf is to be this, this picture of, of, a, of, a, of, a, of a fierce warrior, but at the same time, a loving nurturer. Did you know that wolves are one of the only animals who are known to practice adoption? Even uh, the pup of a rival. And most apex predators practice what's known as infanticide where, where they'll, they'll stamp out the bloodline because they view it as a threat, right? See Lion King if you need an example of this, right? <laughs> Just worried about the, 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 the rival. And no, 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 I need to be on the throne forever and my descendant needs to be king after me. But wolves, and that's why we use the phrase, what were you, raised by wolves? Because they really do get their mogli on and they really do embrace and they really do pull in, right? And so there's this, this beautiful tension of, of the idea of, of being fierce and strong, but also be loving, loving and kind, and I just wanna speak that over you, that God has and, and intends for every one of you men and women and, and boys and girls to be strengthened and and strong where you need to be strong, but also to be kind and to be tender and to read people and to be tuned in emotionally to how others are doing and how your presence in a situation impacts them and, and reading situations, right? Getting our Carnegie on and winning friends and influencing people and, and all the rest of that. All right, so, so there's just my basic, you know, way to waste 25 minutes trying to tell you that, that you need to engage in the battle that you're in so that the wolf can rise in your heart. And, uh, and now let me just sort of give you a few principles and I'm gonna read you a scripture because that's what pastors are supposed to do. Um, and, uh, and, and if any of this blesses you at all, then, then you can get the book to take it further, right? This is the costco size sample and the chimichangas are on aisle seven, all right? So, so let me read to you from 2 Corinthians 10 and then I'm gonna give you a couple just principles uh, as you try to win the war with yourself. The first is, um, no, no, I'm gonna read the verse and then tell you my first point. Oh, getting so ahead of myself. 2 Corinthians 10, verse three. Paul says, I do, and by the way, you're like, read the Bible. <laughs> Paul was a guy who had written 13 books of the Bible and got to go to heaven one time, but just for the day. He wrote about it. He was like, I know a man who got to go to heaven. I'm not going to mention any names because I wouldn't want them to get a big head. It was me. (laughs) But he also was complicated because he said what I want to do often I don't do. And what I do a lot of times is not the stuff that I want to do. He was in a war with himself, personal civil war. And so he says here how he fights his battles. This is great. I do live in the world, but I don't fight my battles the way the people of the world do. The weapons I fight with are not the weapons the world uses. In fact, it is just the opposite. My weapons, someone say my weapons, weapons. have the power of God to destroy the camps of the enemy. I destroy every claim and every reason that keeps people from knowing God. I keep every thought under control in order to make it obey Christ. Is anybody thankful for the Bible? Just while we're on the subject, how good is that? All right. Jot these three things down, three important things that you need to know as you approach this battle. Number one, you need to mind your head. Mind your head. That is to say, you need to be mindful of what passes through your head. Why? Because like Paul said, if we're gonna win the war within, we need to keep every thought under control. Here's what I've really realized. You cannot live right if you won't think right. And that's why across the scriptures, you find this theme running Set your mind on things above, Colossians 3. Don't let your mind be conformed to the pattern of this world. Love God, Jesus said, with all of your strength and all of your soul, but also all of your mind. And what does it mean to honor God with our mind? Well, clearly, we, let's just start with the fact that you can't live a positive life constantly thinking negative thoughts. And yet that's so often how we think, and that's so often uh, how we end up living in this pattern, this dysfunction, this this sort of like cycle of it's not going to go well. Why didn't they notice me? And why didn't they invite me? Why didn't they tag me? Like, what is even happening here? Like, I get text, you didn't tag me in that photo. Like, oh, I quit. I quit everything. Like, that's a thing. Like, did they tag me? Am I in it? Did I get an at mention? Like, what? Like, what? What has all become? And, and, and how your thought can so quickly go there, but it so easily becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy because whatever you stare at, you'll see more of. That's why when you research your Honda Accord, that week there were Honda Accords everywhere. You're like, what in the world? Most popular car ever. Same amount of Honda Accords as there ever were. You were just staring at them a lot on Kelly Blue Book, and that's why you're seeing them everywhere. And so if you look for negativity, if you look for your wife doing things wrong, if you look for evidence of your husband's forgetfulness, if you look for your kids not doing so, you're gonna see more of it. You're gonna now stare at that. You're gonna fixate on that. The reward for negativity is more negativity. If we're gonna win this war within, we gotta replace the negative thoughts with positive thoughts. You gotta starve your fear and feed your faith. You can't stop thinking about something. You have to replace it with something else. So, so fill your heart up with some scriptures that you can break glass and pull out at a moment's notice. You better throw you a worship song on. Get your Red Rocks worship up in your soul. Be ready to, to pull that out when you need to rescue your mind from that. one. Well, once again, you're, you're, you're just going there. And I would say preventative maintenance because an ounce of prevention is worth a pound of cure. So where are the situations that trigger you? Who are the people that just piss you off? And before you see them, right, what can you do to preload your heart with the kind of things that you're gonna choose to do when they do that again? I refuse to take that bait. I refuse to let my shredder get activated. I'm not going through that again. I've been there. I've done that. I didn't like how it felt. So here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna zig when they zag, right? How many times are you gonna let them get your goat before you tie your goat somewhere else? Put a panel over the buttons in your elevator. They're, just, they're, they're button pushers. Some people are just button pushers, right? Some Christians are weird. It's not God's fault. If you're new to church, like, I know some Christians. I can't become coming. They're weird. They were weird before they got saved. Some people are just that way. So don't blame. It's okay. So, so, so mind your head. Number Number two, jot this down. It's so important. So important. You need to use your words. Use your words for good, not for evil. I, I told hey, you, hey, you can't be a wolf if you won't tip your head back and howl. You gotta use your words. We tell that to my two-year-old son. Use your words, because he just starts throwing himself on the ground. <laughs> I hear God saying that to me sometimes. But I get so mad. I'm like, uh, use your words. <laughs> use your words. It's a lot easier to get angry than it is to say, that hurt me. Use your words. Tell someone that frustrated me. Tell someone this was my expectation. Start talking to people instead of just filling in the thought bubbles over their head for them. (laughs) Use your words. Paul says, let no unhealthy word come out of your mouth, but that which is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. Every time you speak, it's either poison or a gift. You choose. It's either venom or it's something that's going to be a building block. Words are like bricks. It's, It's not the words that are bad. It's what you do with the words that are bad. All right, it's like, what'd you do with your brick? I threw it through a window. That's bad. <laughs> what'd you do with your brick? Built a children's hospital. Well, that's great, right? You're like, money's evil. No, no, it's, 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 it's what you do with the money that can become evil. It's what you do with your words. So every time you speak, use your words for good, not for evil, and use them for good, not for evil on yourself. Yeah. I fired myself a while back <laughs> as my personal critic who just follows me around criticizing everything I do. And I rehired myself on the spot as a coach. Be a coach to yourself, not just a critic. Don't just walk around telling yourself, hey, idiot, you did it again. How about, you can do it. Yeah, you took some shots. Get back up. Come on, get in your corner. Whose side are you even on? Speak life to yourself. Speak encouragement to yourself. You can do it. Trust in God. Why are you disquieted within me? I will seek him for the help of his countenance. That's what David said to himself. Use your words. All right, last point. We're gonna be done in a second. I can't talk to you about speaking softly if I don't tell you to carry a big stick, too. Teddy wouldn't like that, right? You gotta carry a big stick. So, all these other things about how you think and how you speak is important. But don't forget where the power comes from. And that's why Paul said, I don't fight like the world fights. My weapons are supercharged with supernatural power. What I'm talking about is don't forget you have the Holy Ghost at your disposal. If you are moving, would you drag your furniture down the the street or would you let your friend with a truck come over and help you? The Holy Spirit is like God who's a friend who's got a really big truck, right? And, And what I'm trying to say is, Red Rocks, don't try and do God's work without God's power. So as you approach this battle, don't forget that every day you can ask for heaven to light you on fire with the Holy Spirit who was given so his people could do impossible things. Now, I know that the Holy Spirit gets talked about when it's like, go into all the world and preach the gospel in Ethiopia, opia, 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 opia. Because there's an echo and lots of reverb whenever the Holy Spirit's involved, right? And you're like, I don't know. That's like a that's like a charismatic thing. That's like a denominational thing. No, it's just a biblical thing. It's a Jesus thing. And it's for every impossible thing. Going into all the world is an impossible thing. But not cussing your kids out sometimes is an impossible thing. Right? You know what I'm saying? We need the Holy Spirit to do all impossible things. So what, what you need to do is get in the rhythm of every day when you wake up and you think about your day and all that's in front of you and all that's before you and the meetings and the bills and the craziness. You need to you need to ask the Holy Spirit to fill you from above with his power for the impossible thing. I did that last week. I did it last month. Y'all, we leak, right? We leak. We all leaky up in here. We need him to give us new power, a new anointing, a new strength, a new revelation, a new song, a new verse, a new word, a new thing. God's always doing a new thing. You know, he's doing it. It's a DC talk song, all right? I saw them at Red Rocks back in the day. All right, so so, so the Holy Spirit is the big stick that God gives us for the big task that's in front of us, and we need his power because the enemy wants us to be burned up with trial and temptation, but he can't burn what's already burning. So each day, let him fill you afresh with like a flame upon your life and power, and power to do that thing. Now, 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 this is all great, and I know you're hearing this, you like, this is great, I'm gonna win the war within, I'm gonna speak differently, I'm gonna think differently, the Holy Spirit's gonna be involved, it's gonna be great, it's gonna be the best thing ever. But there's one or two of you who are who are sitting here, and you, you're like, you're a little bit more like in the, I'm already pretty shredded category. I've already alienated so many people, I've already messed up so many situations, I've already quit the last four jobs, because it was always my boss, all right? This is my fifth church I've been a part of because it's, like, it's good for like a month and then human, human, right? It's like, it's like, what happened to your last job? Oh, they wanted me to work. Like, I know, the gall, the gall, right? And, and maybe you're here and you're like, this is all so good, but look, the wolf could rise, but I've already made such a mess of my life. You, you talk about a shredder, I've gone through that shredder so much I should be in the Ninja Turtles, right? I, that's, I'm in the shredder, Right? Here's what I would say to you if you already feel like you've already made such a mess of yourself, you don't even know where to begin when picking your battle, right? You're like a hometown buffet of battles that you would need to, need to fight. I would just say this. Think back to that picture of the painting, half-shredded, and realize that what you're actually looking at in the moment is the actual painting itself. You, you see, the, the, the perfect picture in the canvas was never Banksy's plan. That was never the art. The girl with balloon painting that he arranged to have was that was never the painting. The painting was always the Instagram video. The painting was always the YouTube clip. The painting was the woman with the glasses. The painting was the auctioneer who didn't know what to do. The painting was the whole scene. He was always, from the very beginning, because he knew the shredding was going to happen, always aware and cognizant of the fact that he was painting the whole scene, and the shredded canvas was just a part of the masterpiece. In fact, some people got a hold of this and realized this, and now it's spawned off a whole, you know, kind of branch of art on Etsy where you can actually purchase the painting shirt. That's someone who's thinking right there, man. And so what I'm gonna say to you who feel like you've already messed up so much, how could you ever approach a life of wholeness and healing? I would just say, who told you God was ever surprised by your dysfunction? Who told you he was ever surprised and shocked by the way you went through the shredder? He, the mighty painter, he, the mighty, magnificent, masterpiece creator has from the beginning of the world been aware of the messes you would make and he already has a plan to work it all together for good if you would just trust him and you would just run toward what you wanna run away from. I'm telling you, he already sees how he's gonna work it together to create something that the world desperately needs. But you have to be willing to engage. And I'm praying that's exactly what would happen in your life, in Jesus' name. Would you pray with me? As we all bow our heads and close our eyes, I just wonder who, hearing this message, would just respond to God by saying, I wanna engage. I, I, wanna, I wanna win this war within. And maybe God has specifically spoken some part of your battle that you need to, you need to face, some calls you need to, to make, some, some changes that need to come. Maybe you don't, but you would be honest enough to say, you don't know what that battle's gonna be, but you would be honest enough to say, God, would you reveal it to me? Would you help me see what I'm blind to? If you're here at all of our campuses, online, wherever you are, and you would say, I wanna declare war on something, can I just ask you to raise your hand up in the presence of God just to say, God, show me, speak to me, give me strength. I need your power. I need your fire to fall. God, bless these and keep them. Cause your face to shine upon them. Give them peace. Fill them afresh with your spirit. Give them new eyes to see. Give them legs that won't run weary. Give them the power like an eagle to soar. You can put your hands down. I wanna give one more invitation just in this moment, in this atmosphere. I wanna ask, are you here today and you've never said yes to Jesus? For you, it's been religion. It's been verses you memorized, good deeds you did, stars on a chart somewhere in the sky you need today to receive the grace that flowed down from the cross where Jesus was nailed. You need to receive the freedom that comes from knowing that just as he rose, you, you too have risen from the dead. He stands at the door of your heart and knocks, and you have to open the door to him. If that's to you I'm describing, and you would like to be set free from your sin and from death and from the endlessness of living for your own glory. I want you to pray this prayer with me. I'm gonna ask the church family to pray it with us. Make this prayer yours. Say this, say, dear God, I know I'm a sinner. I can't fix myself, but I know you can. Come into my heart and make me new. I give myself to you. In Jesus' name I pray. With head still bowed and eyes still closed, I'm gonna give you a moment to nail that down by raising up your hand. So I'm gonna count to three. When I get to three, if you prayed that prayer, making Jesus your savior, I want you to shoot your hand up in the air as we celebrate and begin to worship all across the church. On the count of three, this is your moment to nail it down. I am a new creation. I'm a child of God. I'm forgiven. I'm loved by him. On the count of three, shoot your hand up in the air. One, two, three. Shoot your hand up. Shoot your hand up. Praise God. We're celebrating all across Red Rocks Church for the many hands. Come on, let's stand up to our feet and let's praise Him together.